0: you have any speakers in the thing right now what are you talking about i can't hear the music very well you want me to start over no no we got to deal with what we got to deal with because you're so busy <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's no speakers in this room you because know, i threw this together like one weekend after we moved here before classes start that's why they call it the
0: whole school conference studio yeah right hey did you not call it the whole school conference studio.
1: happy easter by the way and to you too happy he is risen
0: is indeed? Amen. Hallelujah! The second Hallelujah! Week hey, of Easter! Hey, Weird. don't turn that music off. Oh man, are you turning it off? All right, I'm turning it back on. Here we go. Yeah, I was so shocked that you actually answered the phone this week. <laughs> You're always I so, always answer the you're always so busy. I, evidently, after Easter, you were so bombed out. You were so tired. You must have been sleeping for three I days straight whole... because
1: I could never get you on the phone. Amen. I took a whole day off,
0: Monday, post-Easter. Well, you deserved Jesus it. Jesus is risen, and I slept in. Jesus is risen. He is risen. Amen. Indeed. Hallelujah. And you can sleep in. Right, not me. Once.
1: I don't sleep in. Well, we got a lot going on here. We're going to talk about witness. We're going to talk about resurrection. But first of all, we're going to talk about all the stuff I've got going on because you always give me. Please grief don't about put
0: it. the ads in, in the front. People we turn have, it off and then they don't want to listen the to us anymore. We have theology
1: on mission lectureship coming up, which you're very excited Soon
0: about. So Jen, very excited about that. Talking about the mission of lament. We have a new pre- no, not the mission of lament. I mean, How lament, lament is a practice mission. of mission. You can tell I've been putting a lot of time into this. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> also the next evangelicalism. We're gonna ta- he's gonna give a little presentation, not a little one, a significant one on where evangelicalism should go. Isn't that a topic that's apropos for our day? Absolutely. Do we have an Easter for evangelicalism? Ooh, I like that. That's good. Can evangelicalism resurrect from the
1: dead? Uh, well, amen. Okay, amen. now we
0: just turned off another 50% Absolutely. of our audience. All right, but ladies. We're, and j-
1: we're launching, hey, I, I'm going to get through my list here. We're <laughs> launching uh new demon in preaching with President Scheele. We're launching uh, programs for Christian community development, which are awesome, down in Lawndale with coach uh, Wayne Gordon and John Perkins. And, and we're doing new, this podcast. That's too, a new and This AMA, podcast right? is pretty fun. CCDA. Yes, new yeah. Masters. And it's a new uh, D-Men program also. Well, anyway, so, you know, so th- I've been busy with all that stuff. I've been busy with Easter. And now I'm going to a pastor's conference, which I'm going to hang out with people. And it's going to be great.
0: Well. So uh, I'm in. How are you doing? Uh, I don't have time to talk because you just took up like 20 minutes of our podcast. But, uh, folks, uh, we, we come to an important topic here. Here it is, uh, the week after Easter. Is it the week? No, it's it's more. It's. The second, second week, week after Easter, or whenever it is you are listening, yeah, to yeah, because podcast. you you blew it last week on the podcast, folks. Don't blame me; blame him. There was no podcast last week because of him. But, anyways, uh, we in the come here. words
1: of Dave Fitch: Wow, wow, wow,
0: wow. Okay, whole on, we got to pull this in, <laughs> gotta rein it in you
1: tell we got all these extra words because we missed a couple weeks.
0: Okay, folks, uh, it's it's now post Easter, and uh, the topic is always how do we live. After Easter. And so we thought we'd approach that topic uh with the topic of witness. Witness, we are called to be witnesses. It all begins
1: with witnesses. Mary, yeah. the Marys were at the tomb. Jesus is risen. Go tell your brothers that the grave the tomb is empty. John and James and Peter, they come to the tomb. They go. So people come and see. They go. They are witnesses of these things and they're sent to
0: be witnesses to the ends of the age, ends of the the world. I've got my small Bible here, but I'm trying to find the text, Acts chapter one. And um, it said, it is not for, oh, uh, yeah, what what verse? And you shall be my witnesses. Eh, Okay. It is not for you to know the time or epics, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, you are not in control. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now, isn't that just an amazing text, mainly because it says we're not in control, but now we are to extend the testimony, the reality of the presence of Christ and his victory over the powers of sin, death, and evil, even piece by piece, Jerusalem, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. So witnesses is a key uh, idea here. And I want to contrast witness versus what we often call an evangelist or what we call in our churches evangelism. What do you think the differences are? claw between witness and evangelist i have absolutely no idea you
1: proposed that there's a difference and i say what what's the difference this is giving body and shape to the gospel to the euangelion euangelion no difference
0: evangelist preaches the kerygma the gospel a witness martyrion is a whole way of life lived out of which
1: evangelism
0: can make sense
1: all right so let's break this down so you're trying to say Evangelism maybe has shrunk down, or it's taken this little this little slice of kingdom living, and maybe certain parts of the church have made this all and into everything, and maybe witness is bigger than that. Where yeah. are we going with this? Yeah, uh, because witness. I thought witness, witness martyrion was a part of witness rather than them being opposed.
0: Yeah. No. Uh Okay. So let's just be clear. Witness martyrion refers to a life lived, and the word martyr, which came forth from this word many years later, a life lived unto death, mm-hmm. gives bears witness to the reality of who Jesus is, what he has done, where he's taking us. Uh, it's a way of life. Evangelion is the proclamation of the of the gospel. It is gospeling. Did you know that the word witness, and I'm now going to page... 59 of prodigal christianity a book you and i wrote many many years ago don't make any negative comments about the publisher i never (laughs) okay but uh new testament scholar e.g selwyn says that the term for witness is used six times more frequently in the new testament than the term for preaching when discussing the gospel did you know, for instance, that the word witness is used 20 times in the book of Acts alone, more than twice as many times as the word evangelion is used? Why is witness so central to the understanding of how we are to carry forth the gospel into the world?
1: Because why is witness so central? Yeah. Because it's the whole way of life. Yeah. It's, um, Our embodied practice that's our way this is where it's interesting is christians were first called were not called christians until they were in antioch what were they called before that people of the way they followed on the way of jesus they lived on the way they lived in a particular way a particular manner of which their entire life was a witness to the kingdom of christ come among them and the presence of christ enduring
0: with them yeah. Witness. So, so let me just draw a few. Let me, let me just get your comments on a few ideas here. Okay, I would say witness is about living your life in a way which people say there's no way that person could live that life apart from God in Jesus Christ. It's a way. It's a life lived in testimony to the gospel versus a detached argument for the gospel. Comment. So this is what.
1: And I think this is, so are we, uh, Michael Frost says, this is, he says Christians should live questionable lives. Christians should live questionable lives in the sense that they live in such a way that it prompts people to ask questions. Why do you do that? Why do you live that way? Why do you have so much peace in your life? Why, where does your joy come from? How come you forgive people so quickly in the office when, you know, your boss is totally a backstabber and takes all the credit for the work that you did? All these types of things. And you can say, and then you witness to the reality of Christ living in you which is questions are prompted from your life, and then you can kind of, and then you, I was going to say, then you supply the answer. I don't know if that's even the right. Then you just, well, you describe the reality rather than the, what I think you were proposing on the other side is we just go around telling people the answers to things. Are you, I think. What, where are you going to go when you die? Well, you're going to go to hell. Uh, do you feel bad about your sins? Well, you should,
0: right? This, this
1: is sometimes yeah. the, the proclamation of perspective.
0: So this gets back, so... A life, uh, I love what you just said, quoting Frosty, about living questionable lives. We need to live questionable lives so people Frost ask questions. Michael Frost know that you
1: call him Frosty? Everybody calls um, him Frosty. Okay, so he's called, forever, just so you know, Michael Frost is called Frosty. So
0: 1 Peter 3, 14, but even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated, but in your heart sanctify Christ as Lord. Sanctify, meaning... Uh, make him Lord, separate unto the reality that Christ is Lord over your life. And then always be ready to make your defense or give an account to anyone who demands an accounting for the hope that is in you. You see this hope, tell us why you live this way. And then verse 16 says, do it with gentleness, non-coercion and reverence meaning reverence for the Lordship of Christ, that he's at work in people all around you. That's the way we are to enter into the world to be witnesses to the gospel. Out of gentleness and reverence, our li- let our lives do the talking. So and I- and, then, and then be ready to give an accounting for the hope that is within you
1: well i think that that verse is how you interpret that verse is a perfect example of where you fall on either proclamation or witness because a lot of people the way i was raised is you go to that verse be ready to give an account for the for the hope that you have and that was meant that that meant having all of your apologetic arguments in line have a defense a clear philosophical defense of the faith this is why God exists. Here are five proofs for why God exists. This is why m- morality makes no sense without a transcendent power. This is why uh, you're going to hell if you don't confess your sin and believe in Jesus. And you have like, and you just have all these boxes and all these possible questions, all these possible answers. And that's what people said, uh, having a defense of the faith was meant. Is, is that kind of how you were raised with that first? So this yeah, is like yeah. apologetics, but really. Peter doesn't have any of that in mind. He basically just means you're going to be suffered, you're going to suffer and you're going to persecu- be persecuted because of your faith and you should live in such a way that people marvel at the peace and the joy in which you have. Yeah. And then when they marvel and they question you, then give them an answer for your hope. And do it out of gentleness
0: and reverence for Christ that he's at work in that person's life.
1: I love that. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have good reasons for why we believe God actually does exist or good reasons for why we think that God made the universe, but... Uh, Most of the time, no one starts there. That comes way
0: later. Yeah. Okay. So that's the first distinction. A life lived versus a detached argument. Witness also says this. It says language requires a way of life out of which it can be made sense out of. Your language that you're saying and talking about God only makes sense out of a way of life versus we assume everybody understands what we're talking about versus In in evangelism, without a way of life, we just assume you already know what I'm talking about. Now I just have to explain it to you or remind you of something you already know. Right. And I think this is so important uh, because, uh, well, you and I both have done work in the linguistic turn, you know, Rorty Wittgenstein other linguistic philosophers, Mm -hmm. but, but we're no longer in a world where everybody speaks the same language. We cannot assume that everybody understands what we're talking about. We're not even in a Christianized world where the story of Jesus Christ is common vernacular. Now for, for our words to make sense, they must come out of a lived way of life. That's why witness now proceeds evangelism or the proclaiming of the gospel in somebody's life.
1: Well, I have to go check our episodes, but we have talked about the linguistic turn and um, all these types of things. But it's the idea that uh, without actually living these things, people don't know what you're talking about. People have to see it. In, In a real sense, people see our lives before they believe They have to see before they understand what forgiveness or what grace or what mercy means or what even love means. I don't even talk about God's love that much anymore because that word is so vacuous in our culture that we have to, we almost have to come up with other things.
0: Yeah. And so again, pastors out there, we need to do some work on teaching our people about what the word witness means and why it's so central to who we are as Christians versus pumping up old evangelical evangelism excuse me programs that really haven't worked in 50 years so proclamation
1: uh oftentimes assumes an old christendom model where people are understanding what sin is do you or know where you're going when you die consequences yeah uh and you're just reminding people of a church um, kind of background who have just drifted away from church and you're like oh yeah i probably should worry about what i'm going to happen when i die but you know a lot of people now th- th- they don't have any category for that. They have yeah. no. They have no sense. Of okay, so I got either. a third.
0: I got a third difference. All right, um, witness is so. There's no perfect witness. I mean, just think about this. I'm living my life in front of my neighbors. Uh, I'm living my life at Potbelly Bar, and and I am in fact, I was not perfect last Wednesday night. I should tell you a story about last Wednesday night at Potbelly Bar, but we don't have time because she took up so much time at the beginning of the podcast. But anyways, the point is, witness is imperfect, yet even in that imperfection, when people see the imperfections in my life, they see God working, and how I submit those imperfections to God and Christ through the Holy Spirit... That makes my witness compelling. Okay. And so, witness doesn't have to be perfect. Now, when versus the way we enter into the world to try to win an argument, that sets me over against the other person. When I enter into, um, a, uh, an evangelistic situation and now I'm trying to win an argument. Wouldn't you agree you need to know where you're going when you die? No, actually, it's not crossed my mind. Okay, well, wouldn't you agree that if you died tomorrow you might want to, No, actually, I'm, and I have to try to win an argument with you. Right,
1: don't you don't you understand that there's no reason why you should be good and you should just go out and do whatever you
0: want all the I'm, time? I'm going to tell you 52 reasons why you're going to hell. Have you done the Ten Commandments? Actually, you 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 the, the, you just disobeyed the first commandment already. You made an idol out of something, so you're going to hell. No, I don't have to set myself over against the other person in ter- in the category of witness. Instead, I come to be among to reveal what God's doing in my life to the other person. What a difference, eh?
1: Absolutely. The, so, as you were talking, I was just thinking about
0: you weren't I, listening to me while I was I talking. I was. I was listening. I want to punch you over there, Sid. I'm
1: telling you, she doesn't he, listen to the podcast. She doesn't. No. Well, Does Rand oh. listen to the podcast?
0: No. But, <laughs> okay. but here's the thing, Sid. <laughs> Neither spouses. I'm working, our spouses on, I'm working on your husband being a better listener. Okay, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I was listening. I was taking a note on what you were saying. Oh my goodness! Anybody out there? Just hit us up on Facebook, Twitter. Maybe you can offer some counseling sessions <laughs> for David. and I. If you're a therapist that's out there you know, and you've been listening a while, maybe you've seen some themes, you could t- kind of help us out. But what I was thinking is that witness, the posture of witness, it allows for weakness and vulnerability. It allows for real people to engage one another yes. in a space of real life. So and well that said. And that's the older uh, or the other proclamation model. It assumes it puts us in a position of power. I have answers and you're stupid. I have I will dominate you with all these profound and slick <laughs> ways of thinking and you're gonna listen and be dominated, right? And so and nobody wants to be dominated, nobody wants to be, you know, on the receiving end of all these arguments, but witness is much more open. It just creates a space of being like, Hey, this is what's happened in my life. Well tell me about what's happened in your life. Well, why do you think, how do you respond? Well, this is how I respond when these types of things happen, right? And you're just sharing your life. You're witnessing in a very and, open-handed and, way. I'm shaking my hands. I'm open-handed rather than, this, than like punching people in the face with arguments.
0: This gets to who God is. God chooses to come into the world vulnerably, in love, non-coercively, to work in people's lives through witness, not through beating people over the head with a sledgehammer and so uh stanley Hauerwas has this great line he says if you could prove god you wouldn't need witnesses you'd only need philosophers mm-hmm. listen to me mm-hmm. can i say that one more time to get it across mm-hmm. if you could prove god you wouldn't need witnesses you'd only need philosophers folks we are in a day when no, when when the Christian consensus has largely disappeared from large parts of our culture. There's still some places south of the Mason-Dixon line. All of you people down there, but there's still some places down there where there's a Christian consensus. But in large parts, where a lot of the other, a lot of the rest of us are living, there's no consensus. You cannot win an argument. We must become witnesses. I believe this is a really important part to understand that God came into the world to To be vulnerable in Jesus Christ and then to send us out to be witnesses to who he is and what he's doing nonviolently, vulnerably, non-coercively, not to prove God he wouldn't need witnesses. He'd only need philosophers. He wants witnesses.
1: That transitions into uh, another question I had Uh which is why does God need witnesses? And, and Harawas, when he was here last year at the theology and mission lectures, he did a lecture on why why do we need witnesses? And he started off with, "Isn't it a mark of a weak God to need witnesses? To re- isn't it a mark of a weak and kind of needy God to have to rely on other people to get his message out?" Yeah. And he, and on the one hand, the answer is yes, right? Don't we all want gods or idols for whom? Uh, their presence is immediately known, whose power is irrefutable, who will solve all of our problems immediately. That's what we want. Those are the idols that we turn to. And God says, no, that's not the way. That's not who, that's not who I am. And, and all those things are just going to come and enslave and abuse you. And so a God who seems weak, who seems like he needs witnesses, is actually a God who always remains open to what? to actual relationships. And so God, I know this is like, you know, we're talking about evangelicalism. This is like the the trope of evangelicalism is, don't you know that God wants a personal relationship with you? But that is actually true. Like, and having witnesses uh, and God relying on other people and drawing other people in, it engages us uh, on a different level than just our brains and just our cognitive arguments and calls us into deeper relationships and messes with and refines our desires and our ability to be with people, and that is truly good news, that the God who has witnesses is the God who
0: wants to know you and wants to be known. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know how much time we got left, but um, I just think it's it's really important um, to talk about uh, how so many of us who grew up in church, and and in a lot of ways, I still see it in people in my own church. And, and others who feel uh, nervous or pressure or um, inadequacy uh, to be called on to go and be in bars and McDonald's in mom's groups in garden clubs at town hall meetings and be witnesses. And I, I don't know what I'm going to say or I feel this pressure. And uh, what witness does is it takes all that away. And, uh, all we have to do is in a way, I mean, this is oversimplifying, but in a way, all we have to do is just be, you know, uh, our f- mutual, the a theologian, you and I mutually admire Karl Barth, He wrote on a desk in Basel and he had that picture of uh, a crucifixion, man, uh, alter mantelpiece. I forget from where it's from, but you remember, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And, okay. and you have John the Baptist pointing to the crucifixion and underneath I must decrease, he must increase. You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Right. You're probably looking at, up on your phone right, right now. Good. Um, folks, if, if you're going to preach on this issue of witness, just put that on the screen because it points, it says John the Baptist is pointing to Christ and that's really all we have to do when we enter into these various places. We just must be. And when someone goes, whoa, what's going on? Point to Jesus, tell stories about Jesus, tell what he's done, who he is, where he's going, and um, let the Holy Spirit use you in the most humble, vulnerable, imperfect ways and let him do the work. I just think that's essential to the idea of witness.
1: Amen. Amen. I don't have anything to add to that. Hey, so Dave, I forgot to uh, prep you. Uh, for our our great segment, what you reading? Okay, before and we I don't go have there. Any Fitch versus Fitch. So okay, before go we
0: go there, let's just wrap this thing up. Can you put on the notes of this podcast that Grunwald that picture of Grunwald's uh, crucifixion? Sure, sure thing. I mean, so people can use it in sermons. And can you put a link to uh, what is it? What's the chapter in Prodigal Christianity we wrote about witness? What's the chapter? Chapter four. Chapter I don't four? think
1: we have it anywhere for people to download, though.
0: Um, like we well, can try. Or you put could a buy link the book, to the book, or, um, you know, we really ought to just. Never mind. We <laughs> <laughs> just ought to copy it and put it on the. Put we'll a link. For, maybe you can pull that off. We'll see. Hey,
1: so what are you reading these days? You're always reading something. <sighs> Sorry I didn't prep you for it.
0: Uh, Well, I just finished rereading for this third time um James Cohn's um, Crossing the Lynching Tree and I'm putting a review on uh Monsieur Alliance blog. My my site there on Miss Alliance. I hope you all read it. It's a two parter coming out this week. Um, I'm doing I'm doing some um, I'm, I'm calling this Dispatches to the Front and I'm I'm reviewing a few key books. Look for it on my Miss Alliance page. I'm doing James Cohn because I think it's important to understand the place of and the value of, as well as the limits of liberation theology. I'm doing David Gushy's book, uh, shoot, I Changing Our Minds, I think is what it's called. I'm doing Miroslav Volf's book. Uh, what are you doing? Are you taking a picture of me? Miroslav Volf's book, yep. Allah. And I'm just going to say, how do, how do these books teach us how to go be present in these issues of our day? And yet, where's the shortcomings? Racism,
1: gender plurality, religious pluralism. Yeah,
0: that's, that's what I'm reading these days. What are you reading? So really, that's just a pitch for
1: all your continuing work. I got that.
0: Good. I'm calling it Dispatches <laughs> to the Front. Is that a
1: book <laughs> that's coming out soon? Yeah. Hey, so I've been reading. I picked up this book called In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts. Have you heard of this? Oh it's my. by Gabor Mate. It's all about addiction. And uh, it's super interesting. He does a lot of like He's uh, a therapist. He works at addiction clinics. He himself is, uh, is a shopping uh, addict. Uh, he talks about his own life. It's pretty thick. I've been kind of bouncing around. It's super interesting. Uh, it's a way to have compassion for ourselves and for other people who struggle with addictions, but then also to really understand like, how does the brain and body fit into that, how do the motivational systems. And it's just super interesting. It's not theology, but in a sense, it is theology. It's you know, studies of the human being. Uh, so that's in the realm of hungry ghosts. It's super interesting.
0: Yeah. How, how, how do you get time to read during the day? I've been... I don't. Because it's I've always in the so morning
1: many... or in the evenings.
0: Really? Yeah, yeah. I try to, I always say I'm going to come back to something in the evening. It never happens.
1: <laughs> I know. Our kids are getting older and they're staying up later. I don't have any time. Never for happens. I'm so actually here's, trying to here's do a my... lot of reading in the or writing in the morning is well, so I don't read as much. I got I'm two writing. tips
0: on reading. Number one, early in the morning, earlier you get up, the more you get done on reading because it always stops around nine o'clock in the morning and the rest of the day begins. And then, um, secondly, 10-minute segments when you think you have nothing to do. Like I had a phone call today at, I think, 3 o'clock, and it was 20 minutes to 3, and I had really nothing else. I had to wait for this phone call. I used the 20 minutes. Uh, nice. Stanley Harawas once told me, I asked him, how do you get all the things done you you get done? And he said, in 10-minute increments. Nice. Uh, hey, 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 that's a brilliant piece of advice <laughs> I, in 10-minute increments. You, have, you don't like that? No, I, that's, that's how I live, man.
1: My brain only stays focused on one thing for 10 Everybody minutes.
0: says, unless I have three hours to study, I can't get it done. No, folks, 10-minute increments, three or four of them a day gets an amazing amount of stuff done.
1: No, it's like learning a language where you have to practice 15 minutes every day or more uh, rather than three hours once a week. Yeah, you got you on. Well, uh, if you're if you're out there listening and you actually would be interested in Dave and I talking about our studying, writing, and reading habits, uh, let us know. We should do like a a ten minute podcast just on that. We could just talk you know, about. I don't doing. want to reveal. And how I did bad take a picture. Arm. I did take a picture of Dave because he's wearing some great new threads. Usually he's very unstylish. I'm the one that everybody <laughs> knows that I'm the stylish one, But he's got this jacket on. It's actually pretty sweet. So I took a. I'm going to post that <laughs> after this. Is over. Okay. Anyways, we got to wrap this up. Thank you for being patient with this kind of random uh, podcast on witness after Easter. Uh, we'll be back again. Hopefully next and we're gonna week. We're going to be better organized. Uh, I don't promise that. And I certainly don't promise that for you.
0: So, but we will Darn. be back. We will be back. We'll be back next week. Folks, I'm in Canada, in Toronto. I hope you'll see me at Timothy Eaton Memorial Church. I look so much forward to spending three days at that beloved church in Toronto. I'll see you there.
1: This is Jeff Falsglad and Dave Fitch signing Sign off. out.
0: Sign out. Till next time.